Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. Reflections from the Heart with your host, David Abel, is an outreach of gospel reflection, a ministry of stewardship, a mission of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join David as he breaks open the bread of life in the gospel reading for Sunday's Mass. And as the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers, inspires us today with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart. Hello and welcome to Reflections from the Heart. My name is Rob Longo from Stewardship and Mission of Faith. I'm joined today by Tom DeAngelis, Rick Hackman, and Todd Payton, as well from Stewardship and Mission of Faith. How are you doing, guys? Good, good, Rob. good. All right, it's good to be here. Let's, uh, let's open up with a prayer. Uh, Rick, if you could lead us, I would appreciate that. I'd be happy to do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you for the opportunity to we ha- that we have to um, be here in the studio today and to discuss this portion of your precious word. Uh, Lord, we would pray for the inspiration of your Holy Spirit as we open up your love letter to us and that uh, what is uh, discussed here, what is uh, said here would be in accordance with your will and the truth that you have given us through your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray that what, we, uh, what comes forth would be uh, edifying to someone uh, listening in the audience, uh, whether they're at home or in their car or wherever they might be, uh, perhaps listening on the Internet. But we, uh, we just pray that uh, what is said and done here would be uh, to, uh, bringing honor and glory to you and the name of your Son, Jesus. And we pray this uh, through the Holy Spirit and in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Awesome. Thank you, Rick. Well, this, uh, this week began the 40 Days for Life. I was uh, at Mass earlier in the week at St. Joan of Arc. It was beautiful. On, uh, on Wednesday, the whole, the whole school was there, a beautiful liturgy led by the sixth grade there at St. Joan of Arc. And, uh, and at the end, Sister, the principal, uh, asked everybody to stay to kick off the, the 40 Days for Life, the whole student body was going to pray a decade of the rosary. And then each day for the next 40 days, she said that they're all going to be praying a, um, a particular prayer for life. And this isn't that same prayer, but this is a prayer for life that we have in our Stewardship of Prayer book as well as a bookmark. So if anybody would like our prayer book or copies of our bookmark to, um, to use as you're out just spreading the beautiful message of life, uh, please call us. These bookmarks are beautiful and can be used uh, in, in, in so many different, uh, so many different ways. All right, so we're, we're here to help. Tom, if you can kick us off with uh, the first part of the prayer for life. Sure. Eternal Father, you are the author of life. You formed each of us in the womb of your mother for both your delight as well as your purpose. You created us uniquely in your image and likeness to bring your love to the world. Thank you, Father, for the gift of life. Please help us through the power of the Holy Spirit to champion your truth of life to all those who are blind to the horror of abortion. Please, Heavenly Father, pour out your grace and protection to all expectant mothers and fathers so that they may deny themselves choose life and stand with you against the master of lies who seeks to destroy life within the womb. Heal those, Father, who have been deceived by the enemy, that they may experience your forgiveness, your mercy, your love. 
Set them free from the condemnation of he who is the accuser. Anoint us, Father, with the gift of the Holy Spirit, that we may be instruments in your hands, a voice crying out for those who have no voice. In the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 Awesome. Beautiful, guys. Thank you so much for praying that. Um, and again, if, you, if you'd like copies of the bookmark, especially now during this 40 Days for Life, please uh, call us, visit us on our website at stewardshipmission.org, and we'll be happy to send those out to you. Uh, and as with everything in our ministry, it's all, uh, it's all a gift. It's all free of charge. And uh, any donations that do come in, we, we just use to, to evangelize some more. Uh, so we, we appreciate any support there. Rob, I heard on the radio this morning driving in that um, the pro-life movement in all these years, you know, they, they see things that are maybe be discouraging. And also, they've, they've been able to really recognize some very positive, encouraging things. And one of the statistics today was that 86% of the counties in the country now do not have an approved certified abortion clinic anymore. 86% of the counties in our country. Wow, that's awesome. Praise that's awesome. God. Yeah. And that this is the, the least amount of certified, registered, approved medical doctors who are allowed to practice. This is the lowest percentage of doctors interested in performing abortions on history in the United States is, wow. is, is currently as we stand now. Wow. So many more doctors um, and medical practitioners are just kind of shying away and running away from the practice. Praise God. Yeah. Hallelujah. What a... What a what an answer! So many prayers and sacrifices over the years, right? And uh, you know, we just, let's keep praying for. I know I'm, I'm guilty of this. I very rarely, if ever, pray for our medical, our our medical community, right? That if they take a stand, and and choose life and choose it to the point of not messing around with this, then that's that's, yeah, that's we tend, be great help. We tend to only pray for doctors and and the medical staffers when someone we love is in their care, but there's so much more that. Uh, they need our prayers for, such as taking a stand like this. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that, Todd. Appreciate it. Rick, can you please read us uh, the gospel for, for today? And for those of you who are joining us for the first time, Reflections from the Heart is a gospel reflection. So we're going to look at the, the gospel for this coming Sunday, which is uh, Sunday, September 28th, and it's from the book of Matthew, Matthew 21, 28 to 32. So uh, if you're in a position to grab your Bibles, that'd be great. Okay. Jesus said to the chief priests and elders of the people, What is your opinion? A man had two sons. He came to the first and said, Son, go out and work in the vineyard today. He said in reply, I will not, but afterwards changed his mind and went. The man came to the other son and gave the same order. He said in reply, Yes, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the father's will? They answered, The first. Jesus said to them, Amen, I say to you, tax collectors and prostitutes were, are entering the kingdom of God before you. When John came to you in the way of righteousness, you did not believe him, but tax collectors and prostitutes did. Yet even when you saw that, you did not later change your minds and believe him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord, Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. Thanks, Rick. Well, this Sunday, guys, I'm going to be the, the father of, uh, of a teenager for the first time. My, our oldest daughter, Grace, will be 13 this, this Sunday, September 28th, and uh, I'm just looking at these two sons 
and and the different answers, you know, the I will not, and then the change of heart, and then the, yes, sir, like the Eddie Haskell, right? You know, tell, telling them for uh, for the older folks in our audience, uh, you know, saying exactly what you think the person wants to hear, and then then not doing it. Um, and I uh, I look back when I was, I'm still my father's son, but when I was in his care, one of the things that he would always ask me to do was take out the trash, and and do it the night before. He's like, Rob, just. Just do it the night before, right? You, you don't have to worry about it. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll do it in the morning, Dad. And then I'll, morning comes, and I leave, and uh, and it, and it doesn't, doesn't get taken out. I come home from school, and I see the empty trash cans there, and I was like, oh, no, I didn't take out the trash. Um, you know, so the, yeah, I, I, I can relate to this as a father and also as, as a son. And, uh, and it's just so reassuring, though, that, that God and his mercy, right, um, Actions speak louder than words, right? So, you know, we could we could say no uh, with our lips. We can say no with our hearts and our lives. And many many times I've said no, and for you know a lot of consecutive years I said no with my actions. But then, when through God's grace I, I came back to Him, He was He was ready to take me home, take me home with open arms, welcome me back, right? So, actions definitely speak louder than words. I think that's a real challenge with. Um not only thinking about our children, you know, it's, that's a great analogy, Rob, for, for obviously how God our Father views us sometimes, I'm sure, and that calling as a parent to try to reflect God to our kids and, and how we can be patient and loving and be ready to receive them back in. Um, but also, uh, just, just in our own ways that we do this, I, I just remember so many times just saying, things that that I thought were the right thing to say, you know, but but in my heart was somewhere else. And you almost have to admire uh, the first son who who was just honest. He's like, no, I I don't want to do this. I don't feel like doing this. This is not, I'm not going to do it, right? So his first answer was honest, but then through his own recollection and, and the searching of his heart and maybe even a little bit of a poke from the Holy Spirit, he he went to another very honest reaction, which is to turn back towards God and go ahead and do something maybe he didn't feel like doing to begin with. So you can see that at least there's some maybe congruency there, some consistency there, whereas the other son it was, you know, oh, yeah, sure, I'll do that, and then it never happens. And so here you have almost two acts of dishonesty happening, one after the other. And, of course, I have fallen into both of those categories from time to time. So... Um, it, Every time the Gospels start, to, and, and it's Jesus dealing with the chief priests and the elders, when, when, I, when, when I start, when, when I see that in the beginning, I think, oh boy, this, this is going to be, this is going to get ugly quick, because the way Jesus deals with these elders and, and the chief priests and the Pharisees and is such a contrast to how he deals with the poor sinner in the street, you know, or the tax collector, or some of the other parts of people in, in, in the society and so when this particular audience is there, I just kind of brace myself for not only, you know, his general message, but, but what am I doing wrong and how am I like, you know, the chief priest or Pharisee. So it's, um, it, it's always, I think, a rough go, but, it, but a, a tough and challenging go for us as, as believers as we walk every year, you know, through the journey of the Gospels with our Lord. I think the interesting thing about this passage that, that I pull out is this whole idea that Jesus is kind of told this whole story just to get um, across the point that this um, way of righteousness really is changing your mind. It's just, it com- it's about changing your mind and your heart. And uh, 
initially, I mean, the first son says no and then says yes. So you look at that and you say, well, that's that's rebellious, but at least he was honest. You know, at least he said what he thought and he said, no, I'm not going to do it. And then he thought better of it. He changed his mind and he, and he went out and uh, and did what his father asked. The second son, however, um, says yes. Now, you know, one of two things could be going on there. Either he's intentionally deceiving his father and has no intention of going out there and says yes and then just walks away. Or he could genuinely have wanted to, yes, I'm, I'm going to do that, Dad. You know, like, like you said, Rob, you, you just forgot to get the garb, you know. And then, or he lost interest, you know. He just kind of got to the point and said, well, you know, I told Dad I was going to do that, but I really don't feel like going out and working in the vineyard today. So, you know, that that's a whole different a whole different situation because in that case you're looking at either uh, somebody who's kind of sloppy or they're intentionally deceiving. So that comes across completely differently. The change of mind there goes in the wrong direction, though. That's the point. So what what Jesus wants to do here by this story is to is to take the tax collectors and and prostitutes and hold them up as an example for the chief priests and the elders, which has to be insulting and humbling to them. Uh, if they if they would even accept it, but this whole idea of you know changing your mind, um, and that's part of you know that's that's the way that we get closer to God. That's the way we we do God's will. You know, says who did the Father's will here was you know the first son, but it isn't how you start out; it's how you end up. You know, mm-hmm. and it is actions speak louder than words. But you know, in the in the first case, you know the the actions are going out in the vineyard. In the second case, there was no action; yeah. it was only words. So, hmm. we have a couple of gospel readings from week to week about these workers, right, in the vineyard and that whole theme, and and how many times are we reminded in reading this that you, you can't you can't be uh, judging of somebody who you think is less than you, or somebody who's not at the same place in their spiritual journey that you might be, or if if you know I should be happy with the gifts God's given me. And and so if I were able to learn about God or realize something about God or in some way my life was changed when I'm 30, and so I have a conversion experience and then I live a life just kind of fighting the good fight and struggling and running running the marathon to the end, as St. Paul says, and I see somebody else who who maybe lives a, a life that, that's not like that, but on their deathbed, you know, they receive Jesus or, or had that last moment conversion. You know, do we fall into that trap of judging, of begrudging, of being envious, of saying, well, Lord, I, gosh, I've been living 30, 40 years trying to do the right thing. This person had a conversion who lived an awful life, and the three minutes from dying and something happens, you know, come on, you know. So I, it, it's just so natural to see and hear in the gospel today about how these Pharisees saw the tax collectors and prostitutes, who I'm sure they were judging and classifying them as somebody different. Uh, that they were being converted. And what's interesting, he says, is that even when you as the Pharisees and the priests saw their conversion, it still had no impact on you. I found that interesting that not even the witness of an honest, pure conversion was able to do much with the chief priests and elders. And and again, that's a, that, that's a point towards us too. And, 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 and do we get cold or, 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 or not see the, the wonder and beauty of, a, of just a simple conversion of a soul, you know, and how important and beautiful that is, uh, wherever we might run into or encounter it. And how does that, seeing that, bless us, uh, push us forward, encourage us, cause us to go deeper as well? So there, man, there's just so many 
uh, nuggets in here that unfortunately remind me that and how how I'm a Pharisee or chief priest, I guess. <laughs> we, we got so lots of work to do. Oh my oh, gosh, man! And, and as you're you're sharing that, Todd, I'm just thinking of uh, uh, you know, of the question in my heart: Am I do I rejoice when God rejoices? Right? What does it say? Heaven rejoices mm-hmm. more over the convert, you know, the, over the yeah of, of one of sinner one coming sinner. back, right? That's so, right. do I rejoice when God rejoices? Because um, it's not a there's not a limited amount of love available, right? So mm-hmm. it's not like okay, this. This tax collector came in, so you know we got to take take some of, of your love away that God was going to give you. No, it's 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 unlimited. It's infinite. And uh, you know, do I truly rejoice? And you know, what, what do I rejoice in? Um, you know, do I rejoice in worldly successes of others? You know, if I'm happy for someone's worldly success um, and show that that happiness, but you know, wouldn't be as excited or should be more excited over this over the conversion of a heart, right? Right, because that's. Uh, that's the end game, right? That God wants all of his kids home to heaven. So a heart comes back to our Lord, which, um, which consoles his heart. I Man, I, I should be so, so excited about that. So excited. And, and it's, it's a reminder, too, that, that if, if we understand the end, the end, right, before we start, you know, and I, and I forget where I might have been Bishop Fulton Sheen, understand the end before you step out and begin. And if we understand that the end is that we're all going to be together bumping elbows someday, our heavenly bodies' elbows someday in heaven with God, whether it takes us 20, 40, 60, 80, or 100 years compared to eternity, it's, it's just so small and so um, inconsequential in one sense where we should just be so happy to rejoice that, oh, yes, thank God we're going to be together in heaven someday. Whether it was a person on their deathbed or somebody else when they're age 40 or 60, we should be rejoicing as heaven rejoices, like you're saying, regardless of the timing of it all. Because um, once we go there, once we get to our eternal life, we will realize how little so many things meant that we made a big deal out of here. And I remember reading one of the saints who, who passed on to heaven and came back in a vision to one of her other, I think one of her other nuns or sisters where they were in a convent. And the name of this saint escapes me, but the message that she gave, she said, if they would let me come back to earth and suffer the worst conceivable suffering from the moment of my birth until the moment of my death, I would do it because of the degree of glory that I would then be experiencing in heaven. For a hundred years, I would do that on earth. So that we have no concept truly of what our eternal life is. And what's awaiting for us? And what's awaiting for everybody around us? And if we did, we would be cheerleading and advocating and, and encouraging everybody and rejoicing over every little thing that happened that was towards heaven, you know, in a way that we don't now because we get caught up in all the things that, that this gospel, you know, shows us we get caught up in. So uh, that story was a great reminder. And Tom, I never thought of it, you know, what Tom said earlier and Todd, what you're saying now, I never thought of the, of the yes, sir, son as possibly truly you know wanting you know when he first said yes mm-hmm. you know having having a desire but you know the the anxieties of the world distractions whatever could have could have brought him away i was at a school this past week uh, a catholic grade school and i said guys it doesn't matter if if you get an a in all of your religion tests and i looked at the teacher said i'm not advocating you know poor, poor grades but if you know all about jesus but you don't know him right and you haven't given your yes and then your yes and your actions match that, it, it, it's, it doesn't matter, right? Because we, we need to, every day, everything that we say, everything that we think, everything that we do, we're either saying yes or no to God. 
Um, but this son that said, yes, sir, could have truly, you know, had that in his heart. But what happened then? You know, what? So, mm-hmm. you know, we're in these environments of church and Catholic schools. And, you know, there could be some folks that are some kids some adults that are you know, wanting that. Yes. Saying the yes. But maybe just a little too distracted or maybe didn't have someone to come alongside of them and, and show them. Uh, you know how to be a, a follower and a disciple. Yeah, maybe I'm a little more sensitive to that because that that's one of my challenges is you know sustaining the fervor and uh, you know saying yes and then having to deliver on it sometimes can be a challenge. You know, or, or then when things get difficult or whatever. But the the other thing that's very encouraging, I think, is is Jesus says, you know, I say to you, Amen. And of course, you know, we know when Jesus says Amen, that means th- this is big. This is this mm-hmm. is the punchline here. Mm-hmm. So I say to you, tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God before you. They're entering right now. I mean, as he was saying that, he said they're they're getting into heaven right now. So it it reminds me that you know um, the the great saints and mystics have always said that heaven is to is to begin here. And to your point, Todd, if if heaven is sharing in God's you know unfailing love, unconditional love, um, and the suffering is part of that, is, in, is being in, in life and enduring suffering is part of that, then we really have good cause to want to go out and share his message with everybody. And if they reject it, fine, because that's just more, that's more suffering. That's just more of that hundred years of suffering that contributes not only to the glory of God, but also to our glory, because every time somebody rejects God, it gives him another opportunity to demonstrate his un- immeasurable love. And although God would prefer to have, you know, that will and that heart and mind um, uh, joined with him, but at the same time, part of, of God's expression of love is his mercy. You know, mercy is love in a difficult situation where somebody needs help. So when somebody's rejecting God or rejects us when we're sharing the word with them or sharing you know, our faith with them, um, that's just part of, that's part of God's love. I mean, it happens to him all the time. Look, we look at a crucifix and that's what we see. Pure rejection of pure love. You know, it, it couldn't get any worse than that, but that's the moment that we hold up and say, this is where God clearly demonstrated to us that we're the most important thing to him. And, and being that he even came down to earth and died for us, the most horrible death you can imagine. So, to that to that point, I think you know if that's if heaven is um, uh, the glory of heaven is is merited that way, and the grace of God is given to us to to um, empower us to be able to do that, then that's that's just part of the deal. It's just part of. So what you're the, saying is, if we go out and share our faith, we win either way. Yeah, that's that's the point yeah. exactly. Yeah, because if if they accept it, then you know, then we there's we, a great victory there. Yeah. Absolutely, and yeah. if they don't, then we have the opportunity to share. You know. God's love than truth, which is, it doesn't matter if you accept it or not. It matters that God's offering it to you, and and even in your rejection, God still offers you mercy. Well, the, the, and I the, experienced that. Yeah. The, the difference there, though, um, I think is, um, if 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 I share God's love um, with somebody else and they reject me, that's inconsequential. Mm-hmm. That is what we're told in Scripture that we are to expect that we are to be uh, rejected and reviled because that's what Christ went through. But when we share God's love 
and the person we're sharing with rejects God, yeah, it's, it's more opportunity for him to show his mercy and all of that. But, but the, uh, what that reminds me of is uh, in, in the scripture where it says, uh, so should I keep on sinning? Because that's more opportunity for God to show his grace. Yeah. And the answer is no. So, and, and the reason is, in, in this case, that if I share God's love and they reject God, there's eternal consequences to that. Mm-hmm. So that that's not a good thing. That's not uh, something to go, good, no, I, get, I get to share some more and yeah. God can show his mercy some more and all of that. But if that person doesn't turn around and change their mind, an eternity in hell is waiting for them. Um, and in fact, that's the that's the essence of the suffering that I would experience because that person is lost. Mm. And I'm not, you know, we were kind of uh, talking about it being a win either way, and it is in terms of eternal glory. But in terms of if I don't, if it doesn't bother me the way you're suggesting, Rick, then it's not suffering. If I say, well. You're on your own. You made that decision. You're off on your own. It doesn't. It's no skin off my nose. I, it pains me that when somebody walks away, rejects God. Right. And, um, but what that's what that would also say to me is that you're sharing. And I'm not saying you, Tom, particularly, right. specifically, personally. But a person that does that, and the person rejects God, and and you know they're just okay with it, and you know don't care. You're sharing God for the wrong reason. We share God because of our love for the other person and our desire for them not to end up in hell, but to experience the joy and the glory that we feel, that we experience uh, with Christ living in us and the Holy Spirit um, you know, guiding and directing and, and all the things that God gives us through his mercy and his grace. And we uh, but if we don't care, we're doing it out of a sense of duty or because it makes me look good or whatever it is that we're doing it for. If we, if we can only share rightly out of love for the other person. Thank you, Rick. And uh, in these last 20 seconds, I'm just going to throw out a challenge because in everything that we said just there at the end, um, I think we need to be open. If we're evangelists, you know, spreading the good news, we need to be open to receiving correction from others because we want to make sure that they're rejecting, that they're not rejecting us and our approach and our, you know, mm-hmm. judgment or our critis- critical nature that if we're not open to that uh, kind of correction, we could, uh, you know, we, we can be in trouble. And, uh, and they could be rejecting our delivery mm-hmm. and our approach uh, as opposed to the message. So praise God for all his goodness, and uh, thank you all for, for being with us. Have a good day. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups, or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship, a Mission of Faith is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us at 717-367-0100.
On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.